Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Good evening, everyone. I want to say a particular hello to Miss Kayla Ferguson, our worship leader from our Dallas congregation, is here tonight. And she is recovering nicely. She was in a car accident that could have been a lot worse, but God was watching over her. And her. Where's your husband? Where's Joel? Oh, he's working. All right. He's... Um, anyway, we're grateful to God that you're here, and we declare that nothing will be missing and nothing will be broken. You will come to full recovery in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for that now, for the full manifestation of your healing power in operation in her body. Jesus, you paid a high price when you took those stripes intentionally upon your back and purchased it and paid it all. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Everybody good? Well, we are in our series called For the Record. Well, we are exposing and doing away with common biblical myth understandings. Biblical myth understandings. So, um, last week we talked about uh, what people gather by saying God is in control. Uh, He is in control, but he's not controlling everything, and we need to understand that. Uh, That's that's what the Scriptures teach us, as well as, does God know everything? Well, God knows everything. God knows all. Yeah, he does, but he chooses to know some things, and he chooses not to know others. He has the power to do that. It's not the inability to know. It's the power not to know. Now, that's incredible to me, the fact that he chooses not to know that you and I ever sinned, even though we have. I dare say maybe do once in a while still. But the truth is, he got over it. He chose not to have the memory or, wow, the knowledge that you and I sinned. He said, I will take your sins and I will cast them as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. I mean, if God could forget anything, aren't you glad he forgot that? Aren't you glad? Woo! He just forgot. All right, so if you want to, you know, hear that, what we talked about last week, I I recommend that you uh, download our podcast. We have those up on our website, onecausechurch.com, and you can... uh, listen to any of the, our messages that, um, that we put up on a weekly basis. I was um, glad to hear from Kayla Griffith, uh, who is in Paris. You know, we sent her out, and she's in Paris there on a mission with uh, YWAM. And uh, she texted me yesterday, yesterday, last hour this morning, told me, I'm so grateful for our podcast, that I can stay connected and, and hear, hear the best teaching in the world. So um, she didn't say that. I just added that. I assumed that's what she meant. I can't even get a witness in here. Okay, all right. So uh, I want to, uh, I want to uh, go over, uh, I, you might have heard some of these, and maybe it's just important that you get refreshed on these, some, some of the great church bulletin bloopers of all time. It's part of the reason why we quit doing a bulletin, all right? A bean supper will be held Saturday evening in the church basement. Music will follow. This evening's sermon will be, What is Hell? 
Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> During the absence of our pastor, we enjoyed the rare privilege of hearing a good sermon from guest minister Reverend Henry Jones. <laughs> Eight new choir robes are currently needed due to the addition of several new members and the deterioration of some older ones. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. <laughs> ladies' Bible study will be held Thursday morning at 10. All ladies are invited to lunch in the fellowship hall after the BS is done. <laughs> On Sunday, a special collection will be taken to defray the expense of the new carpet. All those wishing to do something on the new carpet, come forward and get a piece of paper. Pastor is on vacation. Massages can be given to the church secretary. <laughs> hmm. Please join us as we show our support for Amy and Alan in preparing for the girth of their first child. Sarah Johnson's about to know what that's about, right? <laughs> Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. <laughs> the Scouts are saving aluminum cans, bottles, and other items to be recycled. Proceeds will be given to cripple children. <laughs> Got to add the D, crippled children, Okay. The associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I upped my pledge, now up yours. <laughs> the low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. The pastor would appreciate it if the ladies of the congregation would bring their electric girdles for the pancake breakfast next Sunday morning. The Reverend Adams spoke briefly on Sunday, much to the delight of his audience. <laughs> oh. This afternoon there will be a meeting in the south and north ends of the church and children will be baptized at both ends. <laughs> And lastly, Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church. Please use the double doors at the side entrance. Okay. I'm grateful for the Word of God. It is without error. It is perfect. It is the truth that stands through the ages. Amen. So, and that's why it's important to know what the Word of God actually is saying to us as we are all works in progress and as we study and, and, and dig into the Scriptures, and I do want to encourage you to do that, and you might not even feel like you particularly understand the Bible, but I'm, I want you to know that God has written it and, and provided it to us for us to read and understand. You really can, but it takes time. It takes digging into the Scriptures. Um, 
the Word of God says that, that God is a rewarder to those who diligently seek Him, right? So as you, as you set your heart and your mind and time to study the Scriptures, the Lord is here to reveal. He's not, he didn't give us the Scriptures to tell us, well, good luck with figuring this out, right? But He does want to be pursued. He does want us to, to be able to go past the surface and dig into the depths of His Word and His truth. And as you do... I know I have found that particularly true for, for myself over the years, that the more I give myself to the Scriptures, the more the Scriptures give to me. One of the common um, myth understandings about what people see about the Bible in the area of speaking in tongues is... Found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, all right? And the, the myth is, well, tongues isn't for everybody. So obviously it's not for me because I don't do it. Nor do I have any desire to do it. And so this scripture that we're about to look at is used to, to, to support people's lack of interest or lack of experience in it. And we're just going to debunk that myth tonight and help us really understand what the Scriptures say. Now, how, how many of you know that we're saved by grace through faith, right? That's it. We believe the gospel. The gospel is Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. We understand that, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And along with salvation, the Lord has provided advantages for us in this earth. So that because we have so much coming against us in the way of living for God, there's so many things that are vying for our attention, for our hearts, for our time, and are trying to get us off course of what God has called us to do. One of the enemies that will fight you in the spirit more than anything is that flesh that you live in. The scripture says it like this, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh, right? The two are contrary to one another. Another enemy that you have is called the devil. He's real, right? So he's doing what he can, baiting and trapping and lying and doing whatever he can to get you uh, off course. His, his MO is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said that's, that's his threefold purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy, right? And then you also have the world and its system. So you have these three things coming against you at all times, the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's why you and I need advantages. We need power that is, that is not of our own, one that we don't conjure. We need a power that is from within. And you have this promise from God that the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is there in you, dwells in you. But he's given us this wonderful thing called tongues, called speaking in tongues. Now, to the natural mind, it's silly. But in the Spirit, it's powerful. The Scripture says that when we speak in tongues, we, we speak mysteries. When we pray in other tongues, we edify ourselves. When we pray in tongues, the Scripture says we don't speak to men, we speak to God. Wow. When we pray in other tongues, the Scripture says that it is our spirit that is praying. Our spirit prays. The mind is unfruitful, but our spirit prays. And we know that this is an utterance of the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that the Holy Spirit knows how to pray? And you know what? He doesn't only know how to pray, but He does pray. And if you will give Him, 
if you will accept this free gift called the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in other tongues, or if you have already accepted it, I want to encourage you to do it regularly because it is oftentimes an untapped and, and, and overlooked resource that we have. And I believe that believers would, would save themselves a lot of trouble, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, a lot of you know, trying to figure things out in their own if they would just give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to pray. Let their spirit, let that utterance of the Spirit come through their tongue. So, um, and, and, and it's, it's a glorious thing. And it can be frightening too. I understand that. How many of you remember the first time you spoke in other tongues, right? Right? And with that, there was this moment of fear, right? <laughs> moment of anxiety, like, what am I doing? This is crazy. But the, the, the amazing thing was the moment you uttered the first words, you knew that the Lord was there. He met you there at that moment. So I, I want to just, I want to help relieve from the scriptures any excuses of not receiving this gift, all right? So that we can really be honest why, why maybe we don't instead of trying to make the scriptures support us. Let's just be real and grown up enough to say, well, I don't want to, or I'm scared, I, I don't like it. All right, well, at least that's honest. Because the scripture doesn't tell you not to. All right, get ready. Are you ready? Everybody love me? Okay, I love you too. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. See that? You are a body and you are members individually. All right? And God has appointed these where? God has appointed these. These what? These what? These members. Right? He's appointed these, he's appointed these in the church and, and these, these members, but he's talking about these members that flow in these gifts. Get ready. God has appointed these in the church. First, what? Apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Verse 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Verse 30. Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And so when he proposes that question, if, if you don't understand what Paul is particularly talking about, then you give yourself an out right here. Well, see, Paul said, do all speak with tongues? Obviously not everybody, because I don't. That's not the question he's asking. As much as we'd like to make that help us feel good about not, that's not what he's talking about. Where are these gifts found? In the church. Oh, okay. Notice that right along with speaking in tongues and the next thing right after that, do all interpret. Now we know, well actually let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. All right, hold that thought. Hold that thought. 1 Corinthians 14, two chapters over. Let's just look at verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, as I said earlier. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Okay. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So Paul just taught us something about tongues and prophecy. One is, tongues is not to men. Tongues is to God. Prophecy is to men. All right? There's no need for you to ever have the need to prophesy to God. 
Father, I got a word for you. It's ludicrous, right? So we don't, prophecy is not for God, prophecy is for men. But tongues is not to men, but to God. Okay, Paul really makes this so clear for us, it's beautiful. He who speaks in a tongue edifies who? Himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Oh, we need to just park right there for just a moment. Let's not run past that too fast. The Apostle Paul had a wish that all would speak with. Is tongues for everybody? Why would he wish all would if it wasn't for everybody? Okay. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Watch. But even more that you prophesied. Why? For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So Paul is teaching us how the behavior of tongues and prophecy takes place, how it happens in the midst of a corporate body, in a gathering of believers just like tonight. All right? He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but I'd, re- but, but I'd rather that you prophesy so that the church may receive edification. If I stand up here and I just go off in tongues, who is going to be edified by that? Who's going to be encouraged by that? Who's going to be blessed by that? Nobody is. Right? So that's why he's saying he's greater in effect. Not he's greater in value. Not he's a greater person. No, he can edify the church because the church can understand what he's saying. That's all he's saying. All right? But watch. But he says, unless indeed he can interpret that tongue. Why? So the church can be interpreted. So tongues and interpretation has the same value as prophecy. Not just tongues, but tongues and interpretation. Why? So that everyone can understand what the heck's being said. All right. Is this clear? Is it clearing up? Look, jump down to verse 26. Now you and I, we've walked through 1 Corinthians 14 many times. All right? So for the sake of time, I don't have time to go through all the verses in between. Um, but we will again, I promise you. Verse 26, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, are we all here tonight together? Each of you, watch what he says, each of you, or one version says, every one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a, how many of you know that is a long church service? All right, has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation Let all things be done for, ooh, revelation, interpretation. Let it be done for edification. All right. Why are we doing this? That's what Paul is saying. Why are all of you doing this? Why are you all bringing this to the table? You need to make sure that your purpose is right. Not so that you can sound off some spiritual revelation or, or, or some deep philosophical truth, why are you bringing this? Because it needs to be only for one purpose, that the church will be edified. Not so everybody can see how spiritual you are. All right? If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn. Now, Paul is dealing with the individual tongue talkers, not the corporate tongue talkers, and we'll talk about that in just a second, all right? He's talking about the individual people who come to bring something to minister to people, all right? 
He says, let there be two or at most three, each in turn and let one interpret. Now, in the Pentecostal church I was growing up, if they would have read that verse, they would have said, oh, how dare you limit what the Holy Spirit can do. Well, he, yeah, he's the Apostle Paul. That's why he dare limit. He did write the Bible. Okay. Got to limit God. Well, it's not about limiting God. It's about limiting man, really. <laughs> All right. If anyone speaks a tongue, let there be two or three at most, each in turn, and let one interpret. So what he's saying is if they're going to speak as individuals in tongues, there needs to be somebody to help everybody else understand what's being said. But if there is no interpreter, get ready, but if there is no interpreter, let him, what? Shut his mouth. All right? Let him keep silent. Because what's the point of this? To edify the church. If you want to be self-edified, I, I, I do not encourage you to stand up and you just be self-edified in front of everybody. Let him speak, watch, let him keep silent, church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Okay, so Paul is bringing order here because the Corinthian church, oh, they were zealous for, for the gifts of God. I love that. I love that they, were, they, were, they, they wanted to use all the gifts and everybody felt like they were all gifted and seemed like every facet of the gifts. So Paul comes in there, and he, I mean, he sees one guy stand up speaking in tongues, the next guy stand up, boy, he speaks in tongues, then the next guy, he speaks in tongues, and he's sitting there going, what is going on here? Half the church is asleep, you know. Well, let's let them get all their tongue stuff out, and then we can move on with the service, right? Everybody's got to, it's like they just made a tradition out of this, and they forgot the sole purpose, didn't know the sole was to edify the church, all right? Now, let me say this to you again. I want to remind you that the tongue and interpretation is special and is different from prophecy. Okay? It is, it is different from prophecy. Many times, it's the other way around. Many times, when I was growing up, if we didn't have tongue and interpretation in the service, well, that just was not going to happen. Every service was going to have a tongue and interpretation. All right? And I'm not against it. I'm just against it not being according to the Bible. Right? If it's not according to Scripture, we're wasting our time. And I, I love all these things. I love the gifts, but I like them done. I want to have Bible experience, not just experience. Can I get a good amen here tonight? All right. So what he's, what he's teaching us is he said tongues is to who? God. Now, why is it that the interpretation so many times is to man? How is it that it can just all of a sudden be switched? Somebody stand up speaking speak in tongues, and the next person that stands up says, Thus saith the Lord to you, my children. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When did it go from God to man? Prophecy is to man. And if the interpretation of the tongue, listen to me, is to man, why are we speaking in tongues before that? Why don't we just cut that out and just prophesy if it's going to sound the exact same way? It's got to be different. There has to be a differentiation because there's no point to it then. But tongues is to God. And remember, in Acts chapter 2, let's jump over to Acts chapter 2. This is glorious. What did Paul say? I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now we're going to see something how he, he makes sure that 
from 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, he's dealing with individuals speaking in tongues and interpreting. All right? And he's saying, does everybody do that? Does, do all do that? Well, when he got to 1 Corinthians 14, he said, no, not all do it. Two or three, that's it. Okay? But, at, but in another place, he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. What is he talking about? What do you want? Do you want all of us or do you, what is it, Paul? Uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Jesus has just ascended to the Father, and he told his disciples to go and wait for the promise of the Father, right? All right, verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house while they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as what? The Spirit gave them utterance. How many were speaking in tongues? All were speaking in tongues. Hmm. Now, Paul cannot be talking about that experience as being not of God. So there's a difference then when one individual stands up to speak in tongues and needs to have an interpretation than when all are speaking in tongues together. Matter of fact, the only Bible demonstration that we have is congregational speaking in tongues. We have teaching on the other, but we only have demonstration on congregational speaking in tongues. All right? Now, later on in this chapter, there were those from the outside heard all of these believers that Jesus said to gather together. He heard, they heard them speaking in tongues, and they said, we hear them in our own language declaring the mighty works of God, the wonderful works of God. Matter of fact, it sounded like they were worshiping. You see what I mean? So the interpretation to those tongues was they heard them magnifying God. They weren't speaking to men. They weren't prophesying to men. They were magnifying God. All right? Hold on with me. Look at verse 16 of that same chapter, verse 16. But this is what, now what happened was, so these people, all this confusion is taking place. They're going, what is going on here? What is all this is going? So finally, Peter stands up to give clarity of the experience, right? And he says in verse 16, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Are we still in the last days, ladies and gentlemen? Okay. In the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on Wait, wait, wait. What is he talking about? What is he talking about? This, all these people speaking in other tongues, and then Peter says, ah, this is what Joel was talking about. I'll pour out of my spirit on. Okay. Did you see it? Did you make the connection there? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, Jump over to Acts chapter 10. Stay with me. We're talking about is tongues for all. Acts chapter 10 and verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, this is the very first Gentile convert in, the, in well, ever. Cornelius, the Italian stallion. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon how many? All. All those who heard the word 
verse 45, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the pagans also. Gentiles. For they heard them do what? Speak with tongues. That's how they knew. And magnified God. Then Peter, so all of a sudden, everybody in this room, all were speaking in other tongues as Peter was preaching the gospel. We see it in the book of Acts. They all spoke with tongues. We see it confirmed by the prophet Joel that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We see it happen in Cornelius' house that all of them in the room spoke in tongues. How are we getting another message than all? Through myth understandings. Okay? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Imagine that. There it is again. Magnifying God. This prayer language is, is a marvelous language. We don't all know what we're saying, but we know God's getting the glory in it. We know He's being magnified. He's being praised. Matter of fact, Paul even told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, <clears throat> how can anyone the uninformed who doesn't, in other words, those who don't understand what you're saying, say amen at your giving of thanks. Paul said praying in tongues is giving of thanks. For indeed, you give thanks well. Man, you yabba-dabba-do like the best of them. But the other is not edified. Why? Because he doesn't understand what you're saying. So there needs to be an interpretation or you need to sit down and be quiet. Is this simple enough? All right. So he's dealing with the individual gift of 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 speaking in tongues and interpretation, and obviously not everybody does that, nor should everybody do it, especially in one church service. But he never talks against all speaking in tongues together because that's the only demonstration that we have in the Scriptures. Do you see the difference here? All right? He's not saying all shouldn't speak in tongues. He's saying not all should stand up and deliver a message in tongues all right, and in the interpretation. That's all, he's, that's all he's saying. We're going to go to one more place, Acts chapter 19. Bible. What do, but what does the Bible say? Verse 19, or chapter 19, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. Okay, so what happened was Peter or Paul came to Ephesus and finally these certain disciples, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we've not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He said, well, then, then whose baptism were you baptized in? They said, John the Baptist. He said, oh, John was talking about another day. He was talking about, he was pointing to him. John was not the, the Messiah. He was pointing to the Messiah saying those who that they should believe on him. And when they heard that, they heard the gospel, they heard about Jesus, then they were baptized uh, in water in the name of Jesus. And then that's when Paul then laid his hands on them and then they all began to speak with tongues and prophesy. Marvelous. But we see that everyone that was there in that atmosphere to receive, all of them did. All of them did. So this is the only scriptural evidence we have when it comes to speaking in other tongues. That's why I'm saying that when we look at the scriptures and we, we really come to the scriptures with an honest search for truth, not, a, not a, a, a way to defend our own personal beliefs, not a way to, to 
help us. Well, let's just leave it right there. Not a way to defend our own personal, but to be honest enough to say, if that's what the scripture says, then that's what I believe. Because there are so many things that God wants you and I to experience. There are so many things he's, he's given us in his word for us to know. And we do a great disservice if we try to just read past those things. Or if we, or if we don't take the time to try to understand them. Because all of it is for our good. That's why he gave us his word. So that we can experience its power. So that we can experience its life. Amen. So is tongues for all? Yes. Is tongues for all to stand up and give a tongue and interpret? No. But when we all speak in tongues together, we're demonstrating the real power of this gift. Because the scripture says tongues are not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers. And that, that moment in Acts chapter 2 was the precedent-setting moment. Because when those 120 gathered together, spoke in tongues, the scripture says 3,000 souls were saved. That's extraordinary. 3,000. Congregational speaking in tongues is the only way tongues is demonstrated in the Bible. And let, let, me just, let me just remind everyone here tonight, and maybe you didn't know this, every author in the New Testament spoke in tongues. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Sir Acts. Well, Luke wrote Acts. And then you kick in Paul who said, I think, my God, I speak in tongues more than you all. Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, Titus, Philemon. I missed out Timothy, 1 and 2 Timothy. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, whoever that was. Well, certainly Pauline. First and second, Peter. We know Peter spoke in other tongues. First and second, third, John. We know John spoke in other tongues. Jude, who said, building yourself, but you, beloved brethren, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Obviously, he spoke in tongues. And then Revelation was also written by John, who was a tongue talker. All of these ones who wrote the New Testament books all spoke in other tongues. Oh, oh, another amazing thing was the letters that they wrote, the churches that they wrote those letters to were all spirit-filled, tongue-talking churches. Men have reasoned themselves out of this. We have no scriptural demonstration that this ever passed away or that none should do it. But because we got our own stinking thinking involved... And want to defend how we felt. And want to defend what we think. Rather than just take the Bible at face value and experience all of its power. And that's why I'm here as your pastor to bring up the word. And let you see it. And let you taste it. And let you experience. Because that's the only thing that's going to bring true and lasting change in your life. I could stand up here and quote all kinds of other things. Some good things to say to you. Uh, and, you know, we could just do some motivational speaking tonight. But, you know, that's not going to change your life. The Word of God is what's going to change you over time. The Bible is living and powerful 
and sharper than any two-edged sword. Can you receive this tonight? So I'm not here to throw rocks at anybody. I'm just here to help us see what does the Scripture really say about these things. Because it's just, it's just one more reason why people are divided. And one of the things we need to think about, and, 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 I, and I've got friends who are in denominational churches, and I love them. They don't particularly like me because I'm always trying to get them baptized in the Holy Ghost. I always tell my, my denominational pastor friends, hey, man, if you'd let me lay hands on you, you speak in other tongues, everything will change for you. And I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> no, seriously, let's do it. Come on, let's right now, right now. But it's one of the dividing lines. It's, and it was, the, it was the thing. It was, ladies and gentlemen, it was the thing that brought the church together. And today it's one of the things that divides the church. It's tragic. It's tragic. It was a universal curse at one point. Think about it. Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. God divided their tongues. Why? Because they were all one purpose. And God said nothing's going to be impossible. Anything they imagine to do, they will be able to do it. And their whole intent, they were one language and one purpose. And their whole intent was to build a city for themselves. Let us build us a city, so lest we be scattered across the, the face of the earth. So they were in defiance of, of God's particular plan, weren't they? Because remember what God told Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. So here they were in this defiance against God's plan to feel there. No, we're not going to be scattered across the earth. Let us build us a city. So God came down and saw what was going on and said, yeah, they're going to accomplish it because they're all one language, one mind. So he confused their languages. Hey, Bill, hand me that hammer. No comprende. No comprendo. What? So... Bill went down south. <laughs> then all these people were scattered by language groups. But at one time, ladies and gentlemen, it was a curse. It was a universal curse. But on the day of Pentecost, God by His Spirit pulled all those languages together and put them in one language called the language of the Spirit. And He redeemed because God makes everything new again. He makes everything right. He reconciles everything. And that which once scattered men unified the church. And I'm convinced that it will unify the church today. This isn't about our particular denomination. This isn't about our particular beliefs. This is about what the Bible says. Huh? And if we could all just shun our man-made principles and beliefs and say, I want the Word. I want the Bible experience in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be united because it's only going to happen in the Spirit. All right? I don't stand up here and claim to know everything because I don't. I ask my wife. She reminds me of that every, every other week or so. She knows everything. She reminds me of that too. I say, when you, I, you, know, you know, guys, when you say the words, you're right, honey. Well, she doesn't leave it at that. She goes, when are you ever going to get tired of saying that? Tired of it now. <laughs> Amen. Father, 
thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the understanding that we have. Lord, we, we thank you that you've given us your word to chew on, to meditate on, to talk about, to, to open it up and to read it, Lord, and to dig into it and to, to think about it, Lord. You've given us all these wonderful promises, and we thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Spirit. Thank you for the language of the Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful language of the Spirit, that you baptize us with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, not to embarrass us or not to make us be silly, but, Lord, because you are trying to get something to us. You're trying to get an experience to us that we cannot, we cannot construct ourselves. Father, we thank you that though we don't know how to pray as we ought, as the Apostle Paul said, but the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We thank you, Lord. We don't only have to rely on our own understanding. As Paul said, what is the conclusion then? Well, I'll pray with the Spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. I'll do everything I know to do. I'll take every advantage of what God has given me. And Father, I thank you that those here tonight, maybe who have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe have had questions or fears, Lord, that, Lord, that I hope that tonight they've been assured, they've been assured from the Scriptures that this is from you, and maybe hunger for this thing in their life, Lord. And those of us, Lord, who, who have been doing this a long time, Lord, that we would never get too comfortable, Lord, or that we would never get too familiar with it, that it just becomes one more thing that we do or don't do. But, Lord, it would be at the forefront of our lives, a regular everyday practice, understanding just how powerful this is for us and how many things we could avoid if we would just let the Spirit do the praying. And how many we could be praying for who are in such need that we don't even know about but need somebody to be interceding. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to hone this gift, to be skillful at this gift, to flow in this gift more and more, not only for self-edification, but, Father God, that your will would be accomplished. Hallelujah. Thank you for your blessing upon my family here tonight. Hallelujah. I just declare over them tonight that when they, both, when they lie down on their beds tonight, as the psalmist said, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. We thank you for that. Thank you that your people have rest. They have strength, God, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength. Father, that those who are weary, those who are heavy laden tonight, Lord, those, those burdens would be laid down. And they would take upon your burden. You said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. Take my burden. My burden is light. And we cast our cares upon you. For you care for us. I thank you that you are a very present help for your people tonight. A very present help in time of need. Thank you for that. That you guide your people by your spirit each and every day. They don't walk in darkness. They don't walk in misunderstanding. Because your spirit is there in them, guiding them into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.